Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast, Wisdom's Echo. This is Grant and Samantha Mahoney, and today we're going to be sharing on the blessing of giving. Hi, everyone. Isn't it so interesting about these days and times that we're living in right now? We're facing this crisis, this pandemic called COVID-19, and it's affecting the world's economy. It's affecting businesses, small businesses. It's affecting the workplace. There's a major drain on finances, which is why it's so imperative that we, as the body of Christ, have different streams of income. We have different ways of making money because, after all, we are God's dream carriers in the earth. And isn't it just so interesting that just prior to this pandemic that broke out, the messages that came against um, trading or giving financially uh, were so loud? Yeah, it was very interesting to see that. I mean, what I found actually quite interesting in this um, time that we're in is with Origin Gate and the stuff that we've been doing, the trading has been phenomenal. And it's just so, for me, it's such a joy to walk with people that understand trading or understand giving or sowing whatever words you want to put around it because you can just see that the blessing of Yahweh is being poured out even though a lot of people are struggling but those of us that have traded and that have sown you're literally sowing into your future is what we've always believed and you know that I mean the word says the law of sowing and reaping yeah there's been a lot of talk about how that isn't for today you know I I remember the background that Grant and I came out of. We've lived in four different countries since we've been married, which is 25 years now. And I remember one of our very first times financially that was so hard for us was when we moved to England and Ireland. I remember Grant and I used to work at the same company, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. And we used to, we were just talking about this yesterday, reminiscing about the good times. But I remember we would have five pound lunches. So Grant and I would meet in the cafeteria and that would be our meal for the day. We were so financially strapped that we couldn't even afford to do dinners for ourselves. We would buy bread and butter for sandwiches for our children who were small at that time. But that was pretty much how it was for us for the whole time that we lived overseas. The financial blessing was well, it was strapped and we were faithful when we could to tithe, but we never saw that blessing that the word talks about, you know, um, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. We were not seeing that manifesting in our lives, even though we were being faithful to tithe. So there was something missing. Do you remember the conversation we had um, with some friends about what opens those windows? Yeah, I just want to maybe go a little bit back. I'm talking about England. I remember for me, I think that's where it started about this whole thing about giving. I remember the the church I'd be going to, the pastor over there had this saying, don't pray hard, pray easy. It's not your prayers that do it, it's God. And I remember this guy's faith with money was just unbelievable. He'd have these huge trash cans, you know, the ones like you put outside your house. The wheelie bin type thing. The wheelie bin type thing. That was his trading baskets. (laughs) They didn't use the word trading. That was where they're... They would, you know, you'd give your giving was in there. Your offerings were going to those baskets. Yeah. And our church was maybe 40 people and most of them were pensioners. I think the average age of the church was 60. Yeah. And it was funny on like Sundays, you'd hear the coins falling in. And it was amazing watching this guy's faith because I remember what we would do afterwards. We'd always count the money. And so as an example, we'd count and let's say there was a hundred pounds and you'd say, no, count again. And there were always three of us counting. And then we'd count again and now it's 120 and he'd say, no, no, count again. And it was now 145, count again, 180, 
counting in 200. He said, yeah, that's it. That's the number God gave him. So the money would multiply as we counted it. And for me, that was the start of this whole journey. It was the, the opening thing. And so then we got to learn about a thing called teruma, which is first fruits. It's the Hebrew word for first fruits. It's what the Jews pay first. It's two and a half percent of your income. And what that does is it unlocks a flow over your life. It's more important than the tithe as far as I'm concerned. It unlocks a flow. And ever since we've started doing that, we've never seen the blessing of Yahweh come to an end. Yeah, a lot of people ask me, so in this new time that we're living in, are you saying that the tithe is obsolete? We're saying no. It's, it's your reasonable service to do that tithe. But where is that blessing going if it says that if you, if you tithe your 10%, um, you know, the windows of heaven will open. It's because we don't have any vessels to contain that blessing. Yeah, because the word says the blessing goes on the land that you own. Yeah, so, and your bonds. And so what it means is that if you don't own anything, even though you're tithing, whoever owns the work of your hands gets blessed. So if you don't have your own business then and you're working, your boss is being blessed because you tithe. That's what happened to Jacob. And Joseph. Yeah, because when Jacob was giving, giving, who was, who was being blessed was Laban not Jacob. That's true. And even when Joseph was taken into captivity and he was the, um, the servant in Potiphar's house, it says that Potiphar recognized that his lands were blessed, his household was blessed because of Joseph. So we bless God for your jobs and we thank him for your, your income and the sustenance, but you need to have something of your own. Yeah, and even Laban said to Jacob, I know I'm blessed because of you and the God that you serve and how you give to your God, how you tithe to your God. And what was interesting was only when Jacob realized this and he said, give me some sheep on my own. So in other words, I want to start my own business. Mm. And when he did that, then the blessing came. Then he got the technology to do all the spotted and speckled sheep and goats. And th that's what happens when you have your own thing. So we always talk about every Christian should have at least one business of their own. So when they tithe, the blessing of the tithe comes on the business. On the work of your hands. Yeah. Yes, that's the vessel that you're creating for that blessing to be um, held in. Uh, you know the saying as well, uh, love, it's love, it's love that makes the world go round. We sing that in Sunday school. Actually, it's not love, it's money. Money Absolutely. is the thing that has a voice and money is the thing that speaks. What I also find um, is when you talk money, especially in church circles, you get a whole lot of people going, oh, it's just all about the money again. We're talking about money. But money is one of the most talked about topics in the word. It's yeah. a very important, it's a, it's a commodity. It's a, a trading commodity and it's very necessary for us here on, on this earth. It represents your worship. What the only thing, I mean, if you look at the word, the only time your stewardship is ever measured is based on how you handle finances. Mm. So we all talk about being good stewards, but if your finances are in a shambles, if you're in debt up to your ears and all this kind of stuff, then you're actually not a good steward because you can't handle your finances. And finances and your spirituality are literally work hand in hand. And I believe that if you manage your finances well and you steward your finances well, then you'll steward anything well and Yahweh will bless you amazingly. So it's yeah. very interesting. One of, one of the scriptures that constantly uh, comes across my path is from others is, yeah, but God is going to take the wealth of the wicked and he's going to give it to the righteous. It doesn't work the way that you think it is. Like you're just going to be sitting there one day and suddenly you're going to get a check for half a billion in your in your post box, it doesn't work like that because doesn't the word say, if you're faithful with a little, you will be faithful over much. 
even in the in the talent story you know the guy that that buried his talent he was told take that talent from the one who had little and give it to the one who has much if you can't be faithful if i can't be faithful managing the little pennies that i have how will i handle if it worked out the way i thought it did for that check to just arrive in my post box how will i handle the billions that come from the wicked into my storehouse if i don't even know how to handle the few cents that i have yeah we got to get our own house in order i yeah. mean there's all like um a good friend of ours marius has all these different strategies and like different accounts and ways of doing money and it's such a it is structured but it's absolutely um essential in my view of how to manage finances and when you look at his children and you look at our children they know what to do with finances and they're young people but they're prospering because they've seen us as their parents lead them in the right way and be wise with what yahweh gives us mm. Yeah, um, let's just come back to that Taruma thing because I know people are going to be going, how do you spell that? So mm. <laughs> it just if you're interested, it's T-E-R-U-M-A-H. So Taruma. So, and another question I get asked is, well, where is Taruma in the Bible? It's not in the Bible because it's a Hebrew practice. It's, uh, it, it's not mentioned. If you do a search on the word Taruma, you won't see it come up in the Bible. But it is a Jewish way of doing things. They do their finances very differently to what we do ours. Well, when they talk first fruits in the Bible, yeah. that is actually Taruma. So it says, bring your first fruits to the priest. And so people ask us, who do you give Taruma to? Or how do you pay Taruma? Well, you pay it to your rabbi. In other words, your teacher. The person that you are learning from. It could be people even. It could be multiple people. So you just split it up between them, however you want to do it. And this is the thing that people don't understand, is that to become a high priest in the temple, if you look at the ancient temple of, of uh, Israel, to become a high priest, you had to be wealthy. It was one of the requirements. Why? Because wealthy people are wise. They know how to steward money. And that wasn't a requirement. So wealth is very important to us as sons or believers. Yeah, Um like one one fortieth or one sixtieth, right? That's what the Hebrews or the yeah. Jews will put aside. They pay many different things. They leave an inheritance for their children. They put money towards charity to feed the poor. Um, they pay their tithes. They do their first fruits. Um, they pay their rabbis. Now, um, you know, people we in the, in the church, and please don't get offended when I talk about this. But in the church, we do have a mentality of poverty, and I don't know where that comes from. And, you know, when I have had um, debates with people on this particular issue, they go, well, Jesus was poor, you know, because the word says the son of man had nowhere to lay his head. That means he didn't even have a pillow. Poor Jesus. No, that's not what it means. When it talks about the son of man having nowhere to lay his head, it's talking about government. The head represents government. It's got nothing to do with finances. And he's saying he didn't have anywhere to rest that government. But when you look at Yeshua, he was stinking rich. Why do you have a treasurer, a.k.a. Judas, if you don't have money, if you're poor as a, you a, as a church mouse? Yeah, exactly. So Yeshua was stinking rich. That's why when the 5,000 came to Jesus um, and he was teaching them, the disciples came to Jesus and said, are we going to feed these people or what? Do you want us to go to the, you know, to go and get some uh, food for the people? And Yeshua's answer was not today. Today, there's a miracle going to be done. And he converts the, the, the loaves and the fishes. So, I mean, it was the rabbi's job to feed all of those people. And he obviously had the money to do it. 
Another aspect that we practice a lot is trading or giving. So we'd be in a meeting and someone's speaking. And as they're speaking, we're going up and sowing money or seed into the revelation that's being shared. And what we found is, I mean, generosity is so important. If you just look at our father, how generous he is with us and how he provides for us all the time. I mean, we should be modeling ourselves after him. And he gave so much. And so what we what we found, I mean, and, and the people that we walk with is, Trading has been an absolute blessing to us mm-hmm. because we've seen the fruit of it. And that's why we, we often talk about it. You hear us talking about it a lot. It's not because we want people's money. It's because we want people to prosper yeah. and benefit from the way we're benefiting from it, the way we're being blessed from it. And I just find that when you pay to rumor and you trade, favor starts to come around you. This, this being of favor. And wherever you go, favor is with you. And so we absolutely love giving. And, you know, it says you have to be a cheerful giver. And often what I find with a tithe is people give begrudgingly. It's like the, the plate comes around or the basket comes around and they feel compelled to give. Where trading is you give as you feel. There, there should be an excitement when you're mm. giving. And I love giving. It's like mm. if you were to say to me, you need to stop giving, it would be like you're ripping my soul out because I find such pleasure and joy in doing it. I think one of the massive things, and this is the biggest thing about trading for me, is that I'm not just doing it for me. I am passionate about the generations that have been and the ones that are coming. And I can leave a legacy for my future generations. Is that even biblical? Of course it is. We have examples about when um, Abraham or Abram, should I say, because his name was not changed at that point. He has an encounter with Melchizedek, and it says that Abram gave a tenth of all of the spoils to Melchizedek. He traded it into Melchizedek. And it says in Genesis that Levi was there. It says it in Hebrews as well. How was Levi there? Who was Levi, first of all? We have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Levi was one of Jacob's sons. That's four generations on from Abram. Abram hadn't even had his first child. So how was Levi there paying tithe to Melchizedek also? It's because when you read the Hebrews, it's, I think it's eight. It says that Levi was in the loins of his father when, they, when the trade was make, made. And so it was also credited to Levi trading to Melchizedek, which shows me that whatever you trade here on this earth, especially for kingdom purposes, and it works both ways, actually. If you do bad trades, you leave an inheritance for your generations. If you do good trades, doesn't the word say blessings to a thousand generations for those who love him? Just think, what kind of legacy can you leave for your future generations based on your trades today? So we bless you guys and we hope you've learned something from this and you take something away from it. Bless you. Bye.